0: I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my Thoughts on Money. Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call Tom. I'm Trevor Cummings, your host of the podcast and your author of the Thoughts on Money blog. And I'm here with my good friend and colleague, none other than Mr. Sean Latimer. Hello. We switched the publication date of this from it was coming out on Saturdays. Now it's coming out on Wednesdays. So, and I took last week off, so I feel like it's been a little bit of time.
1: I know I had to really think about it, too, because I normally say good morning, but now we're recording a little bit later. I used to say happy Friday. It's not Friday. So a lot of changes.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. So uh, it might have been 10 days since we got on these microphones. So give us some grace if we're uh, getting back into the groove. So today we're going to talk about something that I I stole the idea from David Bonson. So I don't want to say I, I incepted the idea, but I had this idea of how to organize my thoughts when we're giving clients planning advice. Because in our world, there's this word that I don't like to use because I feel like it's overused, but it's this word holistic. Do you feel like people use that word a lot? Yeah. So it's meant to say that like all of your financial life is integrated and there is a benefit when you're giving advice and making sure that all these puzzle pieces fit together. The problem is financial planning can feel a little overwhelming because it can go from anything from property and casualty insurance to tax planning to paying for kids or grandkids college. So because all of these things feel like a lot, uh, we came up with this idea of a project checklist. And it was for mainly my benefit so that I can organize my thoughts. Very similar to, I would assume, I don't know this because I've never been in this role, but I would assume a doctor has some organization of their notes so that when they're meeting with a patient, they understand uh, the background Um, things that have been prescribed in the past, some ailments and kind of to be able to see the whole person, right? Holistic advice.
1: Yeah, it's kind of funny because when I think about holistic planning, um, I I picture like a, a financial planning firm, like a small business, kind of came up with the concept and the idea. And then bigger companies like banks and institutions are like, this is a great idea. Let's implement an asset aggregator so we can see where their money is at other places. And they like found a way to make it into like a sales tool so they can either make clients stickier where hey, if we're integrated in all their financial aspects, they can't leave. Or we can find out where their other assets are. So it's kind of funny to see the progression of holistic planning where people either have a negative opinion on it. Or, like you said, it's, in our use, it's nice to have organization where it doesn't benefit us to know who their homeowner's insurance is through. But it does benefit us as a planner to know that they have everything buttoned up. and They do have an umbrella policy. And it's uh, being priced uh, correctly through one uh, provider.
0: I like that angle because I I didn't talk about it in the article, but that's what makes the podcast unique. You're kind of saying that there was this word holistic, which was probably a small planning office that really wanted to do a large, full, uh, encumbering plan for somebody. But then you're like, then the marketing teams of large institutions, they perverted that word uh, holistic. So that's a good place to start. To you, what does holistic planning look like and what does it mean?
1: It does mean – just understanding the overall financial picture of the client and how those things can work together to either make the plan more efficient or uh, have it actually make sense. Sometimes you, you look at the way everything lays out as far as, uh, you know, we talk a lot about asset allocation and having an appropriate amount in cash or reserves and making sure that that just makes sense. And sometimes that, that's the low hanging fruit is you're like, hey, time out. You either have way too much or way too little in this category, and we should almost start there.
0: This seems like a non-sequitur question, but I'm going to connect the dots, but I'm just going to ask the question first. When somebody asks you what you do for work, what's your answer?
1: I just say, I, I trick people. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, it's. You know what's really funny is that we've talked about this. Isn't I have uh, a nine-year-old little boy and a five-year-old little boy, and I get that question, and you would think it's pretty easy to explain that, you know, I help people uh, with their money. And my five-year-old said it perfect. He's like, well how do you help people with money? Either you have it or you don't, or you tell them what they should spend it on. And I was like, no, but then I thought about it more and it's kind of true. So if I'm talking to an adult, the easiest way to say it is I provide advice. I provide advice on the investment side. I provide advice on the saving side and how all of that fits together.
0: Got it, yeah. So the reason I'm asking that is because I think when somebody asks you the question, if they want to know what it says on your business card, right, you have to say, private wealth advisor, I think that's what your business card says. But somebody might say, is that a financial planner? And is a financial planner a financial advisor? And is a financial advisor a stockbroker? So it becomes quite confusing. So I like that you nailed it down that, hey, my job, and I kind of go back there too, as a fiduciary, my job is to give advice. Uh, I'm doing my job well, when I can place myself in your shoes, meaning your circumstances, your preferences, your financial particulars. And then from that vantage point, give you advice of what I think is in your best interest. So we'll use that as a segue into this article. I tried to use the same analogy all the way through because I like analogies. And it was this idea of moving. Uh, I don't know when, you used to move a lot, but I don't know, how long have you been in your house? Almost 10 years. Okay, so before that. Because I moved a lot. You moved a lot. (laughs) So tell us what you learned from moving a lot.
1: Well, every time was a little bit different because I think that, as you're younger and earlier in, the, in life, you it's less complicated. You don't have as many things. There's not as many people. So it's pretty straightforward. And then uh, as you do accumulate more things or the move becomes more complicated, uh, you hopefully have a little bit more resources too. So then you say, hey, this time we're going to hire a moving company or I'm going to have someone help. Um, you know, the first time, uh, it, it's kind of a funny story, but a neighbor of my parents ran like a logistics shipping company and he said, hey... You can put all your stuff in a crate, and I'll get it shipped and moved to your new building. Well, I didn't realize, being the first time I ever moved, that's exactly what it was. It was a giant box of all my stuff in it, and it was pretty much dropped off at the doorstep at this building in New York. And with uh, the doorman kind of like laughing at me, going like, well, what are you going to do now? And I was like, right, I guess I'm going to... Downstairs? Out downstairs in the loading dock. And I was like, I guess I'm going to figure out a way to get all this stuff upstairs. And I guess they weren't allowed to help because of liability issues or something like that. And they felt bad for me watching me, you know, 20 boxes of stuff and trying to like move this like couch thing and mattress by myself. And it, it was a mess. But anyway, uh, I went from that to the last time I moved where it was like full service, white glove. And I almost felt uncomfortable. But they had three or four guys And they did it so fast. And it was kind of a humbling experience because I'm like, man, this would take me like a week. And they did it in like three hours. But uh, I watched them do everything. And it was a much more uh, pleasant way to move. So it's
0: fair to say that the more you did it, the better you got at moving. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought the same thing. You've been in the same house for the last decade. And over the last decade, I've moved four times, which I'm hoping not to move, right? But in that experience, you start to learn that having a general process— Right. And even like the art of labeling things can be super powerful. Right. I I think in the first couple of times I was moving, I would just fill up boxes. And then I kind of learned again, I don't know if this is the best advice, but I kind of learned like, hey, if this box is like two thirds full, but there's nothing else to take from this room probably good to tape it off and just name it after that room because you start mixing things from other rooms and um, then it becomes quite complicated on the unpacking side yeah right and that's what you learn when you're moving is that uh, it's a two-step process it's packing and unpacking now let's not go too far with this analogy the whole reason I did it is because it reminds me a lot of financial planning because I found that my when my wife and I would be moving there'd be some times where I would look over and she's like alphabetizing her dvds and like reminiscing of like oh i remember when i got this dvd granted like yes we have a dvd player but we shouldn't like it it wasn't meaningful work right was she staying busy yes yeah she was staying busy but was it like effective to the end result or objective of what we're trying to do not at all
1: i have one too go ahead i remember opening a large box that cost probably when you break it down it's based off of how much you move it was like 40 dollars and it was all full of like plastic tupperware and like cheap, like silverware. And I laughed that we spent like 40 something dollars to move like $6 of stuff. And I'm like, huh, probably didn't need that box.
0: Yeah, so in the article, I included this thing called the project checklist. It was our labeling function, right? Where we could look at and say, hey, it's not exhaustive, but whatever it is, there's like, I don't know, 15 or 16 check boxes. When we talk about a word we use commonly, financial hygiene is, hey, this is a really good place to start assessing your financial hygiene. Um, in these, however many, I'm not counting, them, but like 16 categories, uh, there's probably ones that you have an A plus. It's probably ones that you dedicate a lot of thought life to. And there's probably ones that you've never considered, right? One of those checkboxes is, and we, we won't go off a tangent and talk about this, but like charitable planning. Like sometimes that's a hanging fruit, right? We'll bring up charitable planning. We'll ask how somebody does it currently. And we'll go, oh, let me show you just like, a more efficient way to do that. And usually people are like, Oh yeah, like no brainer. Let, like, let's start doing it that way from now on. Isn't it
1: funny when you bring up like a donor advice fund or another way to do it? And it almost sounds like too good to be true where they're like, wait a minute, why haven't I done this in the past? And
0: you're like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like that's moving people. Cause I feel like the same thing as you, these three guys showed up at my house, they moved my entire house in like an hour and a half. And I was like, How is this possible? But they just knew it, right? And there's probably something to be said there that when you sit down with the client, it's not your first rodeo. So when you open this project checklist, it's not your first time seeing it. And I even remember when we got our house remodeled, I was extremely impressed by they had uh, this clipboard with like six or seven sheets on it. And they'd go through these questions and they were trying to figure out all the things they needed, right? Because this isn't the first time they remodeled a house. So – Why I draw your attention to the project checklist and why I mention sometimes you can be busy but not effective is when it comes to financial planning, there's going to be these little things that you're just obsessed with. Like maybe you love talking about the economy. Maybe you're really granular when it comes to taxes or you care a lot about security selection in investments. You might think that's helpful, but when a good thing becomes the main thing, it can actually become a distraction.
1: Yeah, you're going to talk about it in a little bit, but I'm glad that you mentioned prioritizing because a lot of times people look at the, uh, all these uh, boxes and they it can be a little intimidating. They're like, oh my gosh, we got to go through this whole process. It's going to take forever. And Or they try to uh, make them all just as important. Like I, I remember one conversation, uh, I mentioned property and casualty insurance earlier, where they they wanted to price out and quote like 10 different providers. I didn't even know there were that many out there, you know, and they were comparing different bundles and this is going to save me like $80 a month. And this is going to save me this. And I just remember kind of scratching my head because I'm like, we have like five other things that we need to get done. Like now, I don't know why we're spending so much time talking about the difference between these two insurance providers. And so uh, I, I would tell you to make sure that you prioritize it the same way, which is going to move the needle the most in your balance sheet. And if it's not going to make a large impact, it should probably wait to be you know, later in the year.
0: Yeah, and it can go beyond balance sheet, right? Like when I talked about priorities in the article, and again, like I think it's hard to mention this, but it's reality. Like if somebody is terminally ill and they have no estate plan established, should they go figure out what the asset allocation should be, which is really important? Or should they go get an estate plan in place?
1: It should be an estate plan like yesterday.
0: Yeah, because it's it, the, the priorities are customized to the person, right? L- let's think of another person. Like maybe the portfolio has been designed um, and, and maybe everything is, is quite polished when it comes to the investment side, but maybe they've never even thought about the charitable side uh, or how to do that efficiently. Well, then all of a sudden that can become a priority. Maybe they're on the cusp of buying a new property. Well, how you finance that property – becomes way more important than you know uh, long-term care insurance or, or something like that. It's not to say that uh, that on their own one of these things is more important than the other it's when it becomes part of a, a financial planning conversation and I tried to be intentional article use the word financial planning and not financial plan because I don't want it to be an event I want it to be a process and financial planning is something that is never completed. you will set goals you will achieve goals, life will change, you will pivot, like planning is something that's always happening.
1: That's what I like about the checklist too, is um, I I think when it started, it was maybe about two thirds the size, Mm -hmm. because other things would come up. And we go like, oh, I didn't think of that. And and then as you bring it up, you realize, oh, it's more common than I thought.
0: Yeah, and I think we'll continue to do that. I think if it's however many boxes now, we'll continue to add, it'll never be intended to be exhaustive, right? Like, when we're in conversation with somebody, we will learn particulars. That's why there's a section to just take notes, right? Um, you know, we might have a client building a property and you know, communicating with the general contractor and, and helping with the nuance of that might go above and beyond this checklist. Uh, but it might be so uncommon that you don't have to talk about it with everybody. You might be helping somebody sell a business, right? But not all of our clients are business owners, so uh, there will. Absolutely, be additions and edits here. But the two things that we started the article off with, and we'll kind of move through this, was that it, just because you're busy doesn't mean the work that you're doing is effective. Now, you could be doing effective work and be busy, which is fine. The opposite is what can be scary, right? Like Sean said, you know, paying $40 to move a box of Tupperware that you really could have just bought right? And and saved yourself time, effort, and cost. Um, I talked about alphabetizing a DVD set. So what you want to make sure, and I've talked about this particular topic a lot lately. If you're going into a a meeting with your financial advisor, and again, I'm accountable to this too, let's make sure that when we walk out of the meeting that we've picked one or two things from the checklist that we would love to tackle in the next three to six months. Because you, a client, an investor, me, an advisor, we can talk on the phone for an hour, so we can stay busy, but we also want to make sure that our time is effective, that we've actually penciled in something that we want to achieve before the next time we meet again.
1: Yeah, and I know that uh, this has happened to you in the past, but it is frustrating when you'll have a long conversation regarding some of these planning items. And then you kind of have like that deja vu feeling where you're like, we've talked about these exact things and there was no traction. And, and, uh, so it definitely needs to be effort on both sides of the table.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a two way street. So you can just take easy things like estate planning. It, it, it takes a lot of effort from the client, right? Yeah. Cause ultimately there's a cost that they're going to pay their attorney Uh, that is outside of the bonson group right they're going to pay their attorney directly there is a cost of their time they're going to spend time doing q a and they're big questions right like you and i have kids they're going to be asking questions like you know god forbid something happens to you who do you want to have guardianship so those uh sometimes are not conversations that are even exciting to have so it could it's understandable why somebody kicks the can down the road but yeah uh, the checklist is quite easy right because you're going to Click a box and say work in progress, and your hope is that at some point that'll be completed. But the unfortunate thing, and, and this happened to me so many times when I'm moving, right? Like, say we're like, hey, we're gonna get up at 8 a.m., my in laws are gonna watch the kids, and we're gonna start tackling this project of packing a room, right? Then all of a sudden, um, 8 a.m., we're like, oh, we're sort of hungry. So, like, let's grab some bagels. Let's eat. Okay, now it's, you know, 845. And then get a little work done. Oh, I'm going to go grab some OJ. Or, like, hey, check out these photos, like, that just came up. Like, let's look through these photos. Okay, now we spent 30 minutes reminiscing. And then, oh, like, with the new house, how do you want to organize it? Let's get a piece of paper out and, like, start drawing. And all of a sudden, it's, like, 11 o'clock, and you're like, oh, wow, we haven't made much progress. And I think financial planning could be really similar, right? You, you could be working with an advisor for two years, and you could set up a portfolio. You could have some direction on what you're doing. But then you go back to the project checklist, and you're like, hey, there's some Swiss cheese here. We really haven't made progress on a few of these like ancillary items.
1: Yeah, that was a good point. All I was thinking about is that I remember one of the times I was moving – I think it was my dad. He's like, oh, you know, you're probably going to throw away a lot of the stuff. I looked at him like he was crazy. I'm like, why? I can't throw away this stuff. It's the only stuff I have. And now, when anytime we're cleaning out a room or a closet, I'm so quick to be like, nope, I haven't looked at this in three years. It's trash. You know, just
0: throw it away. Yeah. Uh, throwing it away is easier than packing it and yeah. unpacking it and finding somewhere for it to go. So we have this idea of it's okay to be busy and effective. Uh, just make sure that you're not busy and ineffective uh sean touched on the art of prioritizing so all that meant is you have to look at your own situation and look at these 16 17 20 different planning things you could do right pour them out all on the table and then decide where do you want to start the analogy i made in the article is that if you have a grand piano at your house that might be a good place to start on how in the world are you going to move that from your current house to your next house like going and Packing dishes doesn't need a lot of planning, right? Maybe you went and got some bubble wrap, you have the right boxes, um, but you can just do that off the cuff. Um, You're going to have to do some planning to move that grand piano. So you prioritize your list, making sure that some of the things that, uh, like estate planning, that might not be able to be tackled today, you are calendaring or you're making a plan to get those things achieved.
1: Yeah, I, I think that this goes with prioritizing. But, you know, the more important things are going to come to light first, you know, uh, as far as saving for retirement, estate planning, uh, those are like the building blocks. It's like, okay, I need to have a bed when I get to my new place or something like that. So um, I, I think I think that's what I got the most out of it is just making sure that you prioritize the list and then just know that uh, it is, it is going to be a work in progress for a majority of the items.
0: Agreed. Uh, the next section I talked about, I called it Be Honest and Be Accountable. So I also know with moving, I've done this way too many times. Um, I have been very blessed that the last few times I've moved, there's been a spare room, right? We've, we've always bought a house a little bit bigger to prepare for a growing family. So spare room can be your worst enemy. Because it becomes this uh, indoor garage space. It's like the
1: everything drawer.
0: Yes. But a whole room of stuff. Yeah, it's the the junk drawer room or the junk drawer closet. So what I end up doing is we get like 90% done with the move or the unpacking. And I take the last 10% and I shovel it in this room. And my wife can attest to this because that room lives for like six months uh, so the, pro- the 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 process really isn't done, and one of the things with this idea of be honest and be accountable, I mentioned the article. I always shut the door. I always shut the door. I don't want to see it because it reminds me that I'm not done. So having a checklist um, and something uh, that is a one pager that is uh, highlighting for you those unpacked boxes is really really helpful. And the one thing I, I, I drew kind of in the article was, just because the door is shut and you can't see it, it doesn't mean that the work is done. So you could not look at the project checklist. That's fine, but the work's still not done.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of times people uh, they're, they're just fine with status quo, or they don't want to make a decision, and so they just ignore it. But by doing that, you are making a decision. And uh, the project checklist it works well for us too as advisors, because it's kind of that accountability tool for both sides where, you know, we look at something that's been a work in progress for a long time and we can look at it and say, all right, this is probably gonna be the first thing we're gonna talk about in this meeting where, you know, you you don't just kick the can down the road.
0: Yeah. And one of the reasons that this is the article today is that I think I started doing this years ago. And I think lately I've had the reminder of like back to basics, you know what I mean? Uh, I have to talk about basketball, I'm sorry. But Sean and, Sean and I play basketball. We, we've talked about a lot that the evolution of the game of basketball is that people shoot a lot more three-point shots. Um, a lot of this has to do with the statistics and the value of it and all that. And I mean, That's just how the game's played, right? You go look historically how many three-point shots are out of college or high school or pickup game today versus 10 years ago. It's astronomically different, right? It's just a reality. Uh, one thing I've noticed is, again, we just do it for fun, so it it allow me, uh, humor me. But uh, I've missed a lot of layups lately, and I was like, man, I when I come into the gym, I can't go to the three-point line. I need to do some layup drills, right, because I need to go back to basics because it matters when it comes to the game. And I think the project checklist for me has been a big highlight and an accountability tool that I'm like, hey, I want to bring this up in every client meeting and and kind of go back to this because I've gotten away from it a little bit. I've been shooting some three-point shots. I've been doing some complex planning, which is quite uh, fun, inspiring, intellectually stimulating. But there's something to be said about getting back to the basics and the fundamentals. I thought that was great. now I'm just thinking about basketball. Fair enough. (laughs) So I ended the article, uh, and I think this will be the hardest part for a lot of people, and that's getting off the starting line. Right, is you can look at financial planning as this big, heavy list of things to do, and you might have uh, trouble taking the first step. So, what I wanted to encourage people is to just get started. And even if, like, even if you pick an item that wouldn't be the most impactful, but a win you could get under your belt, maybe you start there just so you can get some momentum in the right direction. Sounds great. Reach out with any questions. <laughs> Sean doesn't have anything else to talk about on this article, which means that we are close to lunchtime and he wants to eat. So we will ask that you rate the podcast five stars or preferred. Um, an easy way to get a hold of Sean or myself is to email tom, tom at com. You can talk to us about this project checklist, the art of prioritizing, um, busy versus effective, be honest, be accountable how to start whatever you want uh comments and questions are welcome we would love to engage with you um that is all we have for you today but we will be back next week with more of our thoughts on
2: money money. her performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research analysis prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice.